0: Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor, Matt Moniz. The promise that the entire Spooky crew would be back together this week was a bit premature, because Stephanie Burke, our other co-host, is under the weather, so she's going to miss the show tonight, but hopefully she'll... Well, actually, she has to join us next week,
1: because I'm I'm not doing
0: next week's show without her. Now, what it's going to be next week is we're going to be talking some Super Bowl predictions. Uh. And uh, we're going to be talking with some psychics about their Super Bowl predictions. And also, I want to get into a discussion about, you know, you always hear these athletes when they make a big play or they win a big game. They thank God. You know, you always see us sports writers write these glowing pieces about a team that makes it to the championship game. And and they and we say, you know, fate intervened. They're the team of destiny. We use these terms pretty loosely when it comes to sports. So next week I want to kind of analyze a lot of that. And I want to look at the possibility of, you know, is there divine intervention in pro sports? Is there you know, Destiny playing a hand in a football game? Does it all matter? And I think it's a, it can kind of be a, a representation not only of just sports, but just how much that stuff will become a part of our everyday life. You know, you hear people say all the time, those who are religious, they say, you know, God has a plan. But if God has a plan, does that mean that every single moment of our day is part of that plan? Because now you're taking away free will. Hmm. And you can kind of apply that. Sports can kind of be a microcosm of that. Because by saying that, you know, God had a plan, why would God favor the Seattle Seahawks over the Green Bay Packers? What did the Green Bay Packers do? to incite the ire of God or to at least not win his favor and for God to pick the Seattle Seahawks. It doesn't really make any sense in my eyes. Hmm. So that's why I kinda want to get into that. We'll do that next week though, which gives everybody out there a, a week to kind of get their mind turning on that and how they feel about it. Because I think it's it's easy for an athlete to come out and say, you know, I want I want to thank God for making this possible. Well yes. You know, if you believe in God, then God made it possible. He made you who you are. He gave you the talents that you have. He, you know, he was responsible for you being put on the face of this earth. But at some point, you know, I got to think that God is sitting back there and being like, I just want to see who wins this damn game.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, it, it's. You, you what see, would make
1: one team more virtuous than
0: another and, and in deserving of that? And that's what I'm wondering. And I'm, I know that the argument, because I've talked to some people about this in the past, I know that the argument for that is that there is a greater plan for that team and for what happens going forward with who those people are as individuals, how that championship impacts that team and the fans of that team and where it goes beyond that. And I I just, I can't wrap my mind around there being that much, you know, maybe it's just my own fault because I'm terrible at making plans that, uh, and I'm not all-knowing, I'm not omnipotent like, like God would be, so I don't know that it's possible to be that intricate in planning. And I, I don't know if, you know, that's something that, that God would care about.
1: Going all back to the butterfly effect type of thing.
0: But, you know, if if, if God is omnipotent, knows everything, and, and can kind of control everything all at once, which, you know, that's kind of the idea of what God yeah. is, then I suppose it's possible that he'd play a role in these. But it just, I don't know, it seems like such minutia on the grander cosmic scale of things but there's a lot of people that, you know, this is that's the ultimate answer for them for whatever happens, you know, this whole thing with Deflate Gate, and I was hoping that this could be the one radio show in the world this week on, on any topic that doesn't have to mention Deflate Gate. But, you know, with all of that happening, there's people out there that are like, well, you know, that's just that's just part of the plan, you know, they have to overcome this adversity. Now the Patriots, I heard Ken pick uh, that the Patriots are going to win by like twenty something points. Really? It's like, that might be a little bit. Of a stretch, but we'll make all those predictions next week as we get closer to the game on the eve of the Super Bowl. We'll be here to talk about it. Uh, this week, however, tonight we'll be joined by our guest Dick Larson. Uh, he is a counselor with a background in education and business and communication. But he's been out spreading the word of, you know, there are there are these these master teachers who have come to us over time. There's been Buddha. There's been Jesus. There's been Krishna. There's been all these different figures who are here and. Looking at them not as the figurehead of a religion, because I think that the religion is a man-made concept that will develop around these figures. You know, like Jesus went out and he preached what he believed, but Jesus wasn't setting up all the infrastructure of the Catholic Church that we know today. Or Christianity that we know today. I mean, that was all things that were done by man later on. So these leaders emerge over time and and in certain eras of mankind's existence. And then they have a purpose on this planet to lead us into a new age. And Dick Larson is going to be talking to us about somebody who is actually on this earth now that is going to be that next leader. So we're going to find out about what that message is. We're going to find out maybe a little bit of information about who this person is, because this person has made a, a, a point not to reveal who they are. And, and I don't think that Dick Larson's coming on the show to out this person as whoever it may be. You know, like, I'm going to give you some names and addresses and here's his home phone number. Uh, but I think we're going to kind of get an idea of what the message is, uh, behind this new leader, this new teacher for this next age of mankind. Uh, so when we get into all of that, of course, we'll also take your calls as well at 508-996-0500. As we're here entering uh, both a new year calendar-wise, you know, 2015, it seems like a good time to talk about what age we might be headed into, but also as we head into what will be the 10th year of the program. We'll be celebrating our 9th anniversary coming up at the end of this month. What's today? 24th? So, actually... Two days away from our ninth anniversary, so that I guess I guess in effect this can be our anniversary show at the same time, uh, because it was uh, on January 26, two thousand six, that we first came on the air with Spooky South Coast, and I'd like to think that we've gotten at least a little bit better in that time. We've added a lot of different aspects to the show. We have, of course, we brought in a new co-host in the last year with Stephanie Burke, but uh, we've also tried to, you know, stay somewhat cutting edge. There's been times, I'm not going to lie, there's been times during our, our nine-year run here where we've kind of fallen into a rut. Yeah. But I think that we're reinvigorated and we're ready to go and we're ready to try some new things and have some new topics uh, for 2015. And, of course, Spooky TV is going strong. It looks like it's actually working, Matt Cost. It is. It is. So the if you, stars are aligned. <laughs> and you know what's the worst part about I don't want to say it, but you know what Stephanie would tell us right now? What's up? About what's going on? Oh, the Mercury yeah, Mercury yeah, I didn't want to it's say just because she's not here. All right. So I think, <laughs> I think it's not Mercury Retrograde. I think it's Stephanie Retrograde. So Actually, you, she wasn't here last week, yeah. though. And but she's the the kibosh on it. So, yeah. Well... That's uh, we, we have Spooky TV up and running. It's looking good. If you're listening on the radio, on WBSM, on the Radio pop app, on WBSM.com, those are great ways to listen to the show each and every week. But if you would like to actually see what's going on in the Spooky studio, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com slash TV and you'll be able to actually see the studio cameras. Okay. And you can see uh, Mooney's awesome shirt. Yes. Can you give us a close up shot on that? And uh, what we'd like to do with the spooky TVs, we'd like to incorporate some some video elements. Uh, We'll have some photos. So, you know, when you hear the guest talking, you'll actually be able to see who it is that we're talking to, and, and it just adds a new dimension to the program. Also, another way to add a new dimension to the program is by going onto Twitter and talking about the show using the hashtag SpookyLive. So while you're listening, if uh, there's a thought that you'd like to express, if there's a question you may want to ask, just tweet it out, use the hashtag SpookyLive, and we'll see it coming right up on the side of Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com, and if you want to... Uh, if you want to send us a question via email, SpookyCrew at com is the way to do that, or you can send it right to our Twitter feed, at SpookySC. So many ways to get a hold of us. We try to make it as easy as we can. There's also the old-fashioned way. You can go with the Alexander Graham Bell Method and call 508-996-0500 877-996-1420. And if at any point in time you need those numbers, you can't remember them, just go to com. You'll see them right there. They're right on WBSM.com as well. So it's all laid out there. We couldn't make it any easier for you, really. And when the technology is working for us, then it makes it so much easier for us to, to make it happen for you as well. Uh, I do want to let everybody know that uh, coming up a little bit later on this year, uh, here on the show, we're going to be bringing in some some. Different types of guests, but well, one of the things that we're going to be talking about is this new piece of technology. I showed it to you guys last week. Uh, it's called the Ghost Ark, A R K. Ghost Arc. It's being developed by a team in Italy, and this is supposed to be an all-in-one paranormal tool. Everything that you need will be on board on this device. It, it's about the size of a, of an iPhone Plus, you know, the, the the bigger iPhone, I believe, from what I've read. And it's going to have your EMF detector on board. It's going to have your lights at the top working K2 style. So, taking that electromagnetic field and giving it to you in a visual representation of colored lights. It's going to have an EVP recorder that will also uh, double as a ghost box, spirit box, AM radio sweep that will be able to, to go through and uh, pull the words out like we do with the Frank's box devices. And I, I think that as we see this technology develop, And there's other features as well that they're working on. But uh, when we see it develop, and we actually get one in our own hands, and we're able to see it, and we'll put it to use at Legend Trips events and our investigations. You know, how will this revolutionize things, Moniz? You've been doing this for a long time. You've gone to this, you know, you've gone to uh, uh, investigations with a bag full of gear, and, you know, basically had to wear like a bandolier or like a harmonica vest that you can stick all this equipment into. It it just seems like. the more it's become specialized, the more there's been things to carry around.
1: Well, I also started back in the day when all you had was a flashlight, a camera, and a, an old cassette recorder. But uh, the modern equipment that we have now, yeah, it's data. And, and data helps. And it helps you build build a case and uh, record trends and stuff like that. So, yeah, this will be a hand, handy little tool because... It's handheld, it's portable, and it gives you many points of um, data to, you know, record. So it, it becomes helpful. But the most important tool that you kind of take on to an investigation is the one between the ears.
0: Right, which is the one that too many investigators leave at home yeah. or don't charge the And, 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 and them.
1: that's all they pay attention to is, is just that gear. No, you have to have something going on between the ears uh, along with the gear.
0: I, I do like the idea of being able to centralize everything into one device. And, and I think the biggest challenge for the Ghost Arc development team, and we'll talk to them about this in the next couple of weeks, is how to have that device and not have all of these uh, readings falling over each other. And not having, you know, right. the, the fact that this functionality is embedded in the equipment, have that create a false positive with this functionality. Which is, uh, you know, that's the biggest challenge. But it seems like they're well aware of that and they're working hard on that. So uh, we just got to work out the logistics of the interview because the developers are Italian and they speak Italian. Okay. So it's going to be kind of a, a it's going to be interesting when we try to have this discussion. So I we'll, don't speak Italian.
1: I don't even. Latin. But not Italian.
0: I don't speak uh, any Italian except for, you know, manjo. <laughs> you know, when you go to, go to Lorenzo. Uh, the no, Italian
1: mine. words I know you can't use.
0: <laughs> well, they might use them, and we might be able to get away with it. But uh, So when we do talk about that, uh, hopefully we'll already have one of these devices in our hands, or at least we'll get one uh, sometime in the future and be able to discuss it. Uh, an interesting side note about this, too, is a lot of the people who are developing for the paranormal field, they have plans of new things coming out in 2015. I know that Danny Bigbeard, Danny Roberge, is working on a new uh, app, as well as a new update to the Echo Vox. Uh, you know, Gary Galka, Bill Chappell, these guys are still working on new equipment every single day. And one of the things that uh, I actually, actually, it scared me a little bit was the other day I was talking about this stuff and, and I, I got a, a comment on my Facebook post from Frank Sumption. Huh? Exactly. I was like, Whoa, wait a minute, Frank? Huh? <laughs> Because Frank passed away a couple of months ago, and and he always swore that he wasn't going to come back and talk to us uh, once he did. But it was, it's his wife, Norma, so okay. she she's taken over his account. Okay. But <laughs> it, it certainly did uh, it certainly did knock me for a loop for a little bit there. But so uh, there there will be a lot of conversation about this, too, I think. We'll have the opportunity to test the Ghost Dark out. We'll take it on investigations. We'll take it on Legend Trips events. We'll see what people think. And you know how we do it. We always try to find the most innovative stuff, and we try to bring it along with us, especially for Legend Trips events. Because... When somebody sees a device that's out there selling for three, four, five hundred dollars, they don't necessarily want to just pluck down the credit card, buy it. Yeah, they want to see it in operation. And they want to have a chance to, to get their hands on it and, and use it for themselves and see if it's something that they want to do. You know, I always tell people all the time, they'll ask me, you know, what's what's the best ghost box for me to buy? There, there's so many of them out there online that people are selling, you know, how do I know which one to buy? And my answer is always the same. Don't buy any of them. Because you can't guarantee that when you get it, you're going to be able to use it, and you'll hear it, and you won't. You know what I mean? I always say to them, find somebody else that has one. Yeah. Tag along. Watch YouTube videos of somebody else using one. If you can hear it, then invest the money. But don't just go out there and drop 90 bucks on the new SB7 if you're not sure that you're going to be able to hear what's coming through.
1: I agree. I mean, everybody's looking for the next paranormal tricorder you know whatever that next gizmo is do do your investigations with what you feel comfortable don't try don't try and reach beyond you know without really knowing what you're getting into you are absolutely correct because what good is it going to do you if you don't really know what you're getting out of it but you do want to try new things as well well right i agree I mean, it's, it's good to try but a different but just equipment. to grab but some bar,
0: bar away, don't buy it just don't buy it <laughs>
1: No, but the point is, yeah, Tim's right. Learn with somebody else first, see how it's working, well, rather than just buying it off the shelf and you know, trying trying to work it without any experience. Learn from other people that have been playing with the device for a while. Learn its, mm-hmm. you know, its processes and how it works and what makes it not work, which is right. in a lot of cases more important. <laughs>
0: yeah. there may be features. Uh, maybe the ghost arc. Maybe there's too many features for. Uh, investigator, and they don't want all that. Maybe they just want something simple. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll find out for sure uh, when we see it in action. Uh, At the very least, it glows in the dark. Like it has those those like light up buttons, like you know, like the high end laptops have, and you know, and and most uh, cell phones have. So at the very least, at least we'll be able to find it in the dark. It looks jazzy. I can't tell you how many times we've been Mm -hmm. investigating, and I'm like, wait, where did I put that? And then I got to turn my flashlight on and look for it, you know, because you leave it laying around, you leave the equipment laying around, and then you never exactly know where it is uh, when you go to clean up at the end of the night. And I can tell you, let me tell you, there's nothing worse than at the end of the night. Knowing that you left stuff all over the Lizzie Borden house, and nobody wants to go back with you to help you pick it all up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's why whenever we go there, like especially when we go there not for an event, but for a private investigation, which we've done a couple times this winter, yeah. when you go there, always make sure you turn the lights off when you leave a room, because you don't want to be the person going around doing the light check at the end of the night.
1: Yeah. And sometimes lights do come
0: back on all on their own. (laughs) And it seems to be happening more and more often. Uh, So, all right, well, we have a little bit of time here before we'll be joined by tonight's guest, Dick Larson. And, again, if you would like to call in with any thoughts during the course of the program and any questions for our guest, Mr. Larson, you can give us a call at 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. We will take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get really weird for just a few minutes here on Spooky South Coast on the new 1420
2: WBSM. More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you, and it was some wonderful weird stuff. Yeah, gotta be, gotta be we. I feel, I feel so very weird.
0: <laughs> the Week in weird. Let's get a little bit weird, as we do each week, with some of the strangest stories that have come across the wire over the last seven days. And Here's a, a pretty serious question, actually. It sounds goofy, but did NASA hide a UFO with sticky tape? The Apollo astronauts have been accused of a cover-up. Uh, According to this report, images shot during the famous space mission appear to show a mysterious UFO in the distance. Astronauts then whack a piece of sticky tape over the camera lens, neatly blocking out the view of the strange object. A UFO hunter found the images and footage from the Apollo 7 mission, which featured the first ever live broadcast from space. The blogger claimed the image showed, quote, aliens viewing human history being made. So according to this, you can see the detail on the ship uh, and... Some people are even saying it might even be an angel. So there you see it. You see the the picture of the tape. I should probably have given you a heads up so you could post it on Spooky TV. But uh, there it is. And uh, this is apparently the undoctored photo. Shows uh, what could be a ship or what could be you know, just something else.
1: But considering there were almost no other man-made objects up there at that time. Hmm.
0: Well, it's certainly very interesting. I mean, it could have been something on the lens, too, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm certainly no, uh, no astronaut, so I don't know exactly the ins and outs of applying duct tape. So I haven't been formally trained like some of these guys have. Uh, let's see. Here's another story that might appeal to Matt Costa. Researchers eavesdropping on wild chimpanzees determined that the primates communicate about at least two things. Their favorite yummy fruits and the trees where these fruits can be found. Of particular interest to the chimps is the size of the trees bearing the fruits that they relish the most, such that the chimps will yell out that information, according to a new study published in the journal Animal Behavior. It's see first to find that information about tree size and available fruits among our uh, available fruit amounts are included in chimp calls and assessments of food quality as well. So there you go. They are asking about food, about where to get it. They are not asking for a cigarette. Sorry, I turned up the wrong thing. Oh, it's, all right. it's, it's not numbered right. So now you're you good. No, now you're good. Here we go. There we go. we go.
1: All right. I was gonna say that's usually what I try to talk about where is food and how good is it.
0: <laughs> well, here's another thing that you might uh, want to ask about if uh, you know if this is your kind of thing. Seahawks running back Marshawn Lynch has been given a second marijuana strain named Beast Mode 2.0 after they booked their return trip to the Super Bowl. You might remember the original Beast Mode strain came out around this time last year. Growers were so, apparently so happy with last year's strains they wanted to bring back a stronger version of Beast Mode. So Beast Mode 2.0 will now have 5% more THC than last year's strain. That's something. Yeah. <laughs> I, notice, I notice that the uh, the chemist over there is unusually quiet. Uh, yeah. Uh,
1: my question is... How do they test, you know, what? Do they have laboratories out there that they uh, run or, you know?
0: I I couldn't even guess. It's Seattle. So, okay. you know, who knows what they've got. And our final story of the week in Weird before we get into it with tonight's guest, Dick Larson. This story is uh, something that a lot of guys out there I think will be very upset to hear about. Christian blogger Veronica Partridge has been getting a lot of attention for a blog post earlier this month in which she vowed to no longer wear leggings in public because of her religious beliefs. The decision, which she writes, weighed quote heavy on her heart for several months. Was done to inspire fewer lustful thoughts in men. Apparently, a discussion about the skin-tight garment led Partridge's husband to confess to her that it's hard not to look when he goes somewhere filled with leggings-clad women. I try not to, but it's not easy, he told her, according to the blog. So Partridge's uh, now quitting leggings and yoga pants—a decision she said weighed heavy on her heart for several months. So I don't, I don't know what you guys, how you guys feel about that issue. I don't know. That's a shame. As long as it doesn't revert back to wearing pajamas in public, then I'm <laughs> yeah, happy with yeah, yeah. it. I have no problem. Although all those companies with the, you know, the jeggings and the the pajama jeans and all that kind of stuff, you know, they're going to get upset about this if this if this takes off. But I don't see it taking off. I think that uh Women care more about the comfort. If if Stephanie was here, she could give us a little bit more of a uh, fashion and a a female perspective on it. But from a male perspective on it, I'll just say we're good. Yep. Just stick with what works. Because I can tell you it's not not an affront to God for a woman to wear leggings. Because sometimes when she walks by, I just thank God for what he made there. So (laughs) there we go. All right. All facetiousness aside, let's get into it with tonight's guest. Dick Larson is a counselor with a background in education, business, and communication. In addition to being a guest on radio talk shows nationwide, he has also co-hosted a radio program and produced and hosted a series of public access television shows that air around the nation. Mr. Larson served in the U.S. Air Force, was a special education teacher with the Los Angeles School District, and then worked as an international corporate business executive for over 20 years. He then became a chemical dependency therapist and is now at a university in Southern California teaching other adults how to do therapy, and he's joining us tonight to talk about a new era that is descending upon mankind, and we want to thank him for joining us. Good evening, Mr. Larson. Thank you for being our guest tonight. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Tim. Oh, we're, we're always happy to talk with somebody who can offer us some new information and some new perspective uh, to something that we are not really all that knowledgeable about. I can, I can tell you that right now the three guys that are in this room are probably the most spiritually unenlightened people out there. and <laughs> we. Well, that's just fine. <laughs> so if some of our questions seem silly, please uh, bear with us oh my
3: of course you know this is this is for everybody this is for this is for the the, all the listeners that you have There's a couple things i'd like to let them know before we get too far into this if i may number one i would ask your listeners please don't believe anything i say because that would be blind belief and i can't recommend that to anybody all i ask is that your listeners try to keep an open mind because they'll be hearing some information they probably haven't heard before and to just run it through their life experience, run the information through their um, their conscience, and just see if any of it makes any sense to them through their common sense, you know. And if 10 or 20 or 30 percent of what I have to say tonight makes any sense to them, then I'll be thrilled with that. Um, and uh, so that's the first thing I wanted to ask. I want I want them to know I'm not trying to cram anything down anybody's throat or get people to think like I think or anything like that. I, I can tell you that. the thing I'd like to say is the source of my information is a man named Benjamin Krem, C-R-E-M-E. He lives in London. He's been traveling the world for 40 years telling the information 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 that I'm going to be um, sharing with you this evening. And he's written about 15 or 20 books. They're all available on Amazon. I'm not here to sell books. But his name is Benjamin Cram. And if you want to read further about what I have to say tonight, well, you can find his stuff on Amazon. But he's the primary source for most of the information that I'll be giving out.
0: I, I do want to say, though, is, as much as we're a bunch of spiritual dunderheads, our audience is extremely enlightened, and our audience is uh, is very intellectual. So I think that they're going to certainly uh, have no problem with the discussion that we'll be having tonight. Uh, one of the well, questions. I don't know
3: how enlightened I am either. So I think we're all on the same block. Well, you said you said
0: that you want people to believe, you know, twenty percent of what you're saying tonight, and that would actually yeah, be a higher if percentage. if believe that, I'll be very happy. That, that's usually a higher percentage than I can pull off on the radio. So they I'd, don't I'd be happy. impressed. So, how do you come then from working in the corporate world uh, to spreading this message? How how do you make that transition?
3: Well, I heard Benjamin Krem speak. He came to Los Angeles, which is where I am. He came to Los Angeles, um, like I said, almost 40 years ago for the first time and gave a talk here in Los Angeles about the ageless wisdom teachings. The ageless wisdom is an ancient, ancient philosophy, it's not a religion. A philosophy. It's so old, it's as old as humanity. It's been passed down by word of mouth over the ages. The last two people to write about the ageless wisdom teachings are a woman named Alice A. Bailey, who wrote about 20 books about the ageless wisdom, and then Benjamin Krem, of course, who's written about 15. He's the latest revealer of the latest information from the Ageless Wisdom teachings that applies to our life here on the planet today. I heard him speak. I was so taken by it. I didn't understand everything he said at all. But I got him one of his books, and I started reading that. And that just led me down a path where I just thought, God, this stuff makes so much sense. It was just real common sense to, him, to me. And, and that's what led me on the path to study more and learn more. And I got to know Benjamin Crumb very, very well over the years. I've interviewed him three times on television, and um, and so that's how I got started.
0: Well, and it seems like sometimes though it's, it's it's the right moment at the right time where something like that comes together. And and uh, we were talking earlier in the show about you know the idea of of divine intervention about all these details of our lives. You know, is it part of a greater plan? And when you have something like that happen, something that changes your life wholesale like that, you've got to think that there is a path that you're supposed to be on. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And so I knew within about three or four years, I knew that I wanted to be a volunteer for his organization, which is called Share International. It's a it's an educational organization, um, a, a not for profit educational organization that's worldwide, and I'm one of the volunteers for that organization.
0: Well, and one of the things that uh, that this uh, Share International is uh, discussing is the idea that uh, you, you know religion aside, we're all together, we're all in this together, and uh, and I'm sure that the approach is that a lot of this has become, you know, the politics of man, the differentiation between one belief system or another, that essentially we're all kind of on the same path, and we're all kind of being guided by the same hands. Uh, Is that really the idea behind what Share International is all about?
3: Well, sure, absolutely, and that's the idea behind the Ageless Wisdom teachings, is that there are many paths to God, but they all lead to the same God, many names, same God, you know, and that and that we're all in this together. You know, we we are a family. Not only are we as human beings on the planet a family, but our planet is part of the family called the solar system and so on. It's all a bunch of family. This whole cosmos is nothing but humanity. It's life. And we're part of the we're part of that grand panorama of life, all of us.
0: And, and without any single one part of that, you know, it doesn't work as a collective, and, and everything kind of plays its role.
3: Well, that's right, and that's the stage humanity is coming to now. See, the the, the last 2,000 years, what, what has been called the Age of Pisces, our, our planet... And our solar system, every about 2,250 years, comes into alignment. This is the movement of the heavenly bodies through space. We're not talking about astrology that's written up in newspapers and magazines for entertainment. We're talking about astronomy now. Our planet comes into alignment with each of 12 major constellations that surround us. And we call those constellations the Zodiac. And when we're in alignment with one of these great constellations, we say we are in the age of whatever that constellation is. So for the last 2,000 years, we've been in alignment with the great constellation of Pisces. And the the great teacher, when we do that, we get a teacher sent to inaugurate that age and the teachings for that age. And 2,000 years ago, when we came into alignment with Pisces, we were sent the great teacher Jesus and Buddha, both of them, and Buddha taught us the wisdom of God. Jesus taught the love of God. And since God is love, of course, Jesus got a bigger billing out of that. But yeah, he was the teacher that came to inaugurate the age of Pisces, and the two primary energies of Pisces that have been streaming into our planet for the last 2,000 years from that great constellation, because everything is energy, the two primary energies have been individuality and dedication to an ideal. So individuality over the last 2,000 years, man has come out of the herd. And now we stand alone, and we can stand up for ourselves. And then dedication to an ideal is what saved the world from Hitler, uh, dedication to the ideal of freedom. And democracy is what saved the world in World War II. And so those two energies have served us well. But now we're moving from from the Piscean alignment into alignment with the next constellation, which is Aquarius. Well the one of the primary energies, the two primary energies of Aquarius are synthesis and cooperation, so we're going just where you said Tim it's time for all of us individuals now to get together and cooperate and work together.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, I think that we, if you look at how mankind is moving right now, we can see a lot of the seeds of that age of Aquarius already being planted. I mean, it, we talk all the time here on the show and, and on my Saturday morning show, I discuss it, where we're yeah. more connected as people than ever before. I can send, I can write a message right now to somebody who's listening to the show in Australia, in New Zealand, and instantaneously get a response back. You know, there, there's so much more interconnection between us, but we still have those individual barriers of ourselves. We're still, we're individuals in the collective and not really giving ourselves up to it as a whole just yet.
3: Beautiful. I couldn't have said it better, Tim. I couldn't agree more. That's part of the problem that was created by the Piscean energy. Individuality has led to separation. And so you were talking about religion a little bit earlier. Just in the Christian religion alone, there's something like 215 different sects. There's the Methodists and the Presbyterians and the Baptists, and you can go on and on and on. So there's tremendous separation in the world, and that's what needs to start shutting down now. We're going from a you-or-me world to a you-and-me world. And not a lot of people have picked up on that switch, but that's what's happening.
0: Well, and we're doing so uh, kind of blindly here on our own, and we're we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to make it work. But all I'm seeing is more divisiveness happening uh, amongst mankind. So is is that why we need a new world teacher to, to come and usher us into this age? We do.
3: We need some guidance. We've lost our way. You know, today's spiritual crisis, my understanding of today's spiritual crisis is that we have forgotten who we are. And that has affected every aspect of life. We're not humans having a spiritual experience. We're spirits having a human experience. And we've forgotten that. And so that has affected the social, political, financial, healthcare, business, education. Every aspect of life has been affected by that. And so the, the spiritual crisis today is that we need to remember that we're sourced by one spirit and that we are essentially spirits. We're consciousness. We're not our physical bodies. We're not our emotions and feelings. We have those, but they're not us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It-
0: well, how? but how can we do it? How can we shed that individuality? How can we shed that, and really that selfishness that we have within us? And, you yeah. know, you are talking about, uh, you know, being uh, in the Piscean Age, you know, learning about the love of God and the wisdom of God. But all that I've seen over the last 2,000 years is that terrible undercurrent within mankind, uh, that pension for war and for animalistic uh, urges. Yes.
3: We are going to be receiving teachers to help us. There is a there is a group of perfected human beings. They've gone through human evolution ahead of us. They're called the spiritual hierarchy, the spiritual masters, the kingdom of heaven. Um, there's all kinds of different names for it. The kingdom of souls, the lords of compassion. And they have gone through evolution ahead of us. They've learned all the lessons that planet Earth has to teach, and they've become permanent spirits or permanent consciousness. They don't need to take bodies anymore and walk on the planet. Well, there are 63. The Ageless Wisdom says there are 63 of these great beings that have hung around planet Earth to help guide humanity behind the scenes, and they have guided us in our evolution over the last Eons um, uh, to evolve to the point where we are now. Well, for the first time in 98,000 years, they are going to take physical bodies and walk among us. I mean, life, you you won't believe what's in store for us. This is all going to happen within our lifetimes. I mean, if you're a reasonably healthy person at all, this is going to, several of them are walking among us now. They just haven't come forward yet. But they're going to come forward, my, my guess, this is not official by any stretch, but my best guess is within the next two years, you're going to see the leader of this group on television. He's already on television in different countries of the world, but we're all going to see him in a way that we can recognize him. Um, and so there's a leader. Right now there are 13 of these perfected beings or masters. We call them masters because they're masters over themselves, not because they're masters over us. There are 13 of these perfected beings on the planet right now in human bodies in major cities around the world waiting for the right time to come forward, which will be after their leader comes forward and introduces himself to us. My guess is that will be within the next one to two years.
0: Well, from what I was reading from, from some of the materials uh, provided was that uh, yeah. this leader, he, you know, you're know, you saying that we'll find out within the next two years who he is, but he's been here, and I should say he or she, but this person has been here uh, working toward this uh, for a number of years already.
3: Yes, exactly. He came, he, he made his own body. It's indestructible. He doesn't need to eat or sleep. So nobody can kill him. You don't have to worry about that or anything like that. He is, he made his own body and he came down out of the Himalayas, which is where a lot of the masters live. He came down into Pakistan and acclimated his body. You know, they're not used to smog and noise and all the stuff that we live in, these masters. They live in the deserts and mountains of the world where it's, where it's clean. He acclimated his body, and then he flew by jet airplane into London, which is his base of operations. He lives in the Asian community outside of London. Um, he flew there on July nineteenth, 1977, to fulfill the prophecy that, that the teacher would come out of the clouds. And, and of course, he did that. His passport said he was 33 years old, which I find very interesting. Um, but he has been with us on the planet now since 1977. He's been appearing to people in different ways. He can appear however he wants to. He can appear as a child, a man, a woman, a homeless person, a wealthy person, any way he wants to. So can the other masters. Um, he can appear any way he wants to, and he's done that. Um, repeatedly, but now he's starting to appear and be interviewed on network television in different countries around the world. He's being interviewed as an ordinary man because we have free will. Our free will is sacred. That's how we learn and grow. We make a choice and then we learn from our choice. You know, the goal isn't to choose right every time. The goal is to learn from the choice, whether it's a wise choice or a poor choice, We can learn from either one. That free will is very important to us, it's sacrosanct. The Masters would never infringe our free will, nor should we infringe each other's free will. That's why I said I'm not trying to convince anybody of what I say is true. And so, he can't just come forward and say, I am the teacher for the age of Aquarius, I have some suggestions to make, you can follow them or not. And this will all get better. No, we have to invite him to come forward. So what he's doing is he's interviewing. He's interviewed on Mexican television. He's had about 20 interviews. He interviewed on Brazilian network TV about, I think about 30 times. Then he went to Russia. He's been on Russian television again as an ordinary man. Um, He's interviewed over 20 times in Russia, and now he's interviewing on China. He will eventually be interviewed on the Japanese networks, on the BBC, on on the U.S. network. And finally, people will say, okay, wait a minute, you know too much to be an ordinary person. Who are you really? Either we will say it, humanity will say it, or our representatives in the media will say, okay, wait a minute, who are you really? And when people demand to know who he is, then he can have what he calls his day of declaration, when he will say, I am the teacher for the age. He's going to give us some experiences on that day, and some other wonderful things are going to happen, which I can, I'll be happy to talk about. But that's when he will come forward and declare who he is. He says, it will be my day of declaration.
1: Hmm.
3: So, and so. then he will introduce the other masters these masters will help us in all aspects of life there will be a master who will be giving us suggestions in the area of finance, in the area of health care in the area of politics and government in the area of business, in the area of education and so on so we're going to get guidance in all kinds of areas but we have to follow their suggestions they're not going to crack a whip or wave a magic wand or anything You know, we, we need to follow their suggestions
0: So you had mentioned previously that these masters have come to us before, in other forms. So it's possible that we've been getting these messages uh, in different ways through different voices uh, for a while now. Yes, but now
3: definitely. Oh, the same. The the lessons have been taught by these teachers over the eons: Mithra and, and Hermes and Hercules and and all of the names you know: Confucius, Krishna. Buddha, they're all teaching parts of this ageless wisdom message on why we're here and what we're supposed to do about it. Now, I mentioned earlier that the Buddha taught the wisdom of God. Jesus taught the love of God. This teacher, whose personal name is Maitreya, by the way, Maitreya means the one who brings joy, the happy one. Um, Maitreya brings the teaching of God's will and the purpose behind that will. So the masters have have decided that in the evolution of humanity on planet Earth, we are now ready to start trying to do God's will in a serious way. So he comes to teach us God's will. And in that, we're going to learn the purpose of our existence. I mean, it's an incredible time to be alive. Well,
0: but this is something that, is it going to become one uh, over arching message in these two years? Are we going to have Maitreya come to us and start to give us these teachings, or is it going to be, hey, look at all of this stuff that's been happening over the last X amount of years has all been building toward this. Are we going to Is this the final piece of a puzzle, or is this going to be just the start of a journey?
3: This is the next piece of the puzzle, okay? and he'll make that clear. He'll say there have been teachings in the past. As a matter of fact, on the day of declaration, he will give us telepathically a glimpse of the past and he will show us where we've gone astray and then he will give us a glimpse of the brilliant brilliant future that we have in store for us and to inspire us and then he will say I have some ideas about how we can start getting there because this is the next step for humanity and the next step for humanity is to establish right relationships we are going to go from a world of competition to a world of cooperation.
0: Now, is that Money
3: will basically disappear. People will be exchanging goods and talents and services with each other. That's going to be a big part of it, because right now money is God. Right. I mean, try getting some justice in the American courts if you have no money. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Try getting health care without any money. Good luck. You know, it's, money runs the world right now. It's, it's the goal of, of most of the people on the planet is to at least have enough to survive and to enjoy life, you know. And so money needs to start to disappear, and it will. It is. It's already happened in Japan. They've had a tremendous stock market crash. Um, we've had one recession. There's more to follow. And when money starts to disappear, people are going to be saying, well, what, what do we do now? And that will be a perfect time for a world teacher to say, I have some ideas, and for the real God to start becoming God in the world.
0: Well, now, you say this as, you know, what's coming and what's forthcoming, and it sounds like it's inevitable. It sounds like it's going to happen no matter what. Is it possible, though, that we as mankind could screw this up and then miss the boat? (laughs) Yeah.
3: Um, No. It's going to happen. He has said that. He has said, I see your choice, and I am glad. So he knows what we're going to choose when he presents us with a choice. For example, one of the things he's going to say is, you can either start really, really seriously working on the environment right now, or you're going to kill this planet, and we're all going to die. Your choice. He says, and I know your choice, and I am glad. So he knows we're going to make the right choices, but what's up to us and what's always been up to us in the evolution of humanity on planet Earth is the timing. We could take forever, we could drag our feet. There are going to be people that are going to be resisting this like crazy, Tim. The conservatives in the financial world, the conservatives in the religious world, the conservatives in the government and political world are going to be fighting this tooth and nail. They're doing it now. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, and, and they're getting help, of course, from the dark forces who don't want this to happen.
0: Well, I mean, if and it...
3: so... But it's going to happen. It's just a matter of the timing. Humanity is responsible for the timing because we have free will.
0: If it took 2,000 years for the last age to be completed, you know, the, the, then the timeline would span out. Yes, we could have thousands of years to figure this out as well, but we could also do it sooner rather than later and, yeah. and be better for it.
3: My information is that once the masters come out in the open, things are going to happen pretty quickly. Um, for example, as I understand it, starvation in the world will end within about two years. Right now, as you and I speak on the radio, about every nine seconds somebody dies of starvation or a starvation-related illness. And that's in a world with a 10%, actually a 12% surplus of food.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: But it's not getting distributed. So what we need, there are plans for the distribution. That's been done. But nobody's willing to listen to it yet. So when he comes forward, then he'll say there's a plan to distribute this food so people don't have to die of starvation on our planet anymore. Well, let's do that. Come on, you guys. Here's, here's what needs to happen. And then we will either do it or we won't. And my information is that we will. And that within about a couple of years, um, if all goes well, there will be no one starving on this planet anymore. Isn't that? I mean, some of these things are going to happen
0: quickly. That, that's uh, that'd be pretty impressive for that to happen in that amount of time. Uh, we, I know. Speaking of time, we only have a few minutes remaining in this hour. Then we'll have to take a break for the network okay. news. But when we come back on the other side, we can talk a little bit more in depth. But Moniz had made a mention. I don't know if you if you caught it. He kind of said it off air a little bit there. But when you had mentioned about money making, you know, the world go round, he said that it always has, but not necessarily. I mean, there was a time when we lived in an age of of, of collective collectivity and connectedness. Where we were dependent on one each other, one another. Oh in my their- God,
3: yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, is yeah, that money the- became money became the 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 center of the universe when the stock market was created. That really changed everything um, because because there are there are you know about fourteen trillionaires in the world who gamble. With the money, and that's what it is. When you play the market, you're gambling because mm-hmm. there's no guarantees, and they gamble on a daily basis. And it has nothing to do with the quality of life. It's it's pure gambling, and and so that that needs to go away uh, because it, it ultimately ends up affecting everybody. Um, if you want, we can talk a little about UFOs. I know you're a ghost guy.
0: <laughs> I, I am, but my, my colleague here, Matt Moniz, is you know 30 years in uh, ufology, and he's uh, investigated a number of the major cases. So we'll definitely oh, wow. we'll definitely discuss that coming up in the next hour, uh, as well as a bunch of other topics as well. And I, I want to find out really what we can expect. We've talked a little bit about it here, but what can we expect uh, when Maitreya comes through here? And if anybody has any questions, you can call in throughout the course of the next hour at 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. You can also join in the discussion on Twitter using the hashtag SpookyLive. And if you follow along with uh, at SpookySC, or the Spooky South Coast Twitter account, you'll see, you know, I've been tweeting out some of the things that we've been talking about here and then the discussion is rolling online. People are, are listening to, to the message that our guest Dick Larson is presenting tonight and we will share more of it with you coming up in the next hour. Uh, and And I think... Dick, that as we get closer to this, you know, as we get this message out there a little bit more, it's, it's going to start to make sense and click in people's minds. But it's natural for us to kind of resist this at first because it sounds so different than the way that we've been for so long.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. This needs to be absorbed. And, and you know, if people don't buy it, that's okay with me. You know, my job is just to, I feel like my job is just to present the information. Then people can do whatever they want with it. You know? It makes sense to me, and that's why I'm doing it.
0: And it just, <laughs> it, even for those who don't want to believe it, it, it at least plants the seed in their mind that it's possible. And it might it might make a change in them as a person, just knowing well, that there's th- there's a potential for it. Things are going
3: to get so good, Tim. I, I mean, it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful time to be alive. People aren't going to believe how good it's going to get.
0: I do want to just, uh, and, and with, with your blessing, of course, when all my bills come in every month, can I just write on the front of them, you know, my tray is coming? And then not have sure. to actually pay them? Sure. Please
3: fill my tray. Please forward to my tray. <laughs> all right.
0: Yeah. I don't think that'll work. But, <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll talk more about that coming up in the next hour with our guest, Dick Larson. Dick, do you have a website that people can go to to check out more information?
3: Yeah, I do. Thank you for asking. It's www.share, S-H-A-R-E, international, all spelled out, .org, not .com, org.
0: All right. We'll, uh, we'll also put that up on SpookySouthCoast.com and on Spooky TV, and we'll also tweet it out as well so people can check it out during the break.
3: It's an old website, but it's got tons of information on it. Good yeah. stuff.
0: And we'll check back with you in just a few moments. Good. Thank you. Right. And, of course, all of you out there during the break, please check out Dick's website, shareinternational.org. We'll also have it up on the Twitter feed, on at uh, spooky sc and on my Twitter, at Tim Weisberg. You can also follow the rest of the Spooky crew, at sberk910, at Monkeys. M-O-N-K-E-E-Z, and at Matt Moniz, S-S-E. We're going to get you going on that Twitter sooner or later, Monies Might
1: be able to get it done tonight.
0: There you go. So uh, we'll see if we can get it rolling. And, uh, of course, follow all of us, spread the word. And every Saturday night during the show, make sure that you are talking about what's going on with the show using the hashtag Spooky Live. That's the way that we can see it come through right on the feed at Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. So I, I really love the tweets that we're already getting from people. Uh, I can see it rolling in there. So we'll be back with more Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. Stephanie Burke off tonight, but she will return next week when we'll be taking some Super Bowl predictions. And I I mentioned that we'll be talking to some psychics. Bracket and loudering on this, and I don't mean that. Nobody asked you, Dennis Miller. We'll be talking about some some Super Bowl predictions from psychics, but we'll also be taking yours as well. So we will have the phone lines open next Saturday night for you to call in with what you think is going to happen in the Super Bowl. And then uh, we'll write all those predictions down, and we'll see who actually comes up with something. I don't know. Maybe we can find a prize or something. We'll see. Yeah. I'll have to ask Kristen if they get anything kicking around in the prize closet. But uh, either way, and, and of course, next week's discussion will be about God, fate, however you want to determine it, about uh, what kind of a role that plays in the lives of athletes and in these games. Because we hear athletes say it all the time. You know, God made it happen. I want to thank God for this. You know, I want to, I want to thank... Fate, destiny, we talk about teams of destiny all the time, so we'll talk about that. Is it, is it a legitimate part of the game? Is Is God on the side of one team or the other? Is part of the plan for one team to win and one team to lose? Was part of the plan... For Tom Brady's footballs to become deflated during the course of the game. I I don't know if we're going to go quite there. But uh, our guest tonight, Dick Larson, is joining us also as we are discussing the entrance into a new age of existence of mankind. And uh, we're talking about this new world teacher that will be coming and teaching us some things. But before we get back into the discussion, Dick, I just want to ask you the topic that I was uh, throwing out there that we'll be discussing next week, the idea of if there is a a greater plan for something as mundane and minute as a football game. do Do you feel you feel like that there is that possibility, that God, fate, whoever uh, is, is playing a role in the outcome of a Super Bowl?
3: That's a great question. Um, and I'll, I'll give you my answer. My answer is that God's laws help determine the outcome. So, yes, God plays a role, but not not as if God is looking down on the game and picking who's going to run 25 yards. And, you know, no, no. Um, I don't think so, but one of God's laws that's that's working all the time on this planet is the law of cause and effect. In the East, they call it karma. Scientists call it the law of action versus reaction. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. It's all the same law. It's been taught in every major philosophy and religion in the world. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, as you sow, so shall you reap. It's all cause and effect. Knock and it shall be open unto you. Seek and you shall find. It's all cause and effect. Well, karma can enter into and does enter into our day-to-day lives on a moment-to-moment basis for example if i cut somebody off on the freeway there's a lot of freeways here in southern california if i cut somebody off on the freeway i can pretty much count on the fact that within the next day or two probably pretty quickly somebody's gonna cut me off that's just how it works and and we know that So this this kind of karmic law can affect, have an effect on a, on a player's performance in a game and on a team's performance and on a team's outcomes for their season. You know, have they been mean and cruel to other people and been selfish and, you know, been nasty? Probably not going to consistently do well. They may, they may be able to beat some other teams just because they're more physically able to do that. But... Karma can play a role in our lives in every aspect: relationships, jobs, and sports.
0: Well, what sure, if, what if Especially big money sports. What if, let's just say, for example, what if uh, one of the teams was maybe accused of uh, cheating and maybe deflating the footballs a little bit? <laughs> Certainly, that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't be perceived as as evil or as negative. I would think, right?
3: <laughs> well. Yeah, you, you're never quite sure what kind of karmic effect that might have. He, and we don't have to know about it in order for it to play a role. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, no, absolutely. We don't have to know that happened in order for it to have an effect on the outcome of the game. It may have been something we never found out and it helped affect the game. I don't know how big of an effect that would have because we don't know what the other team's been doing. You know, I mean, this is big-money sports, and it's win or nothing, baby. So... Um, there's somebody compared it to stock car racing. You know, Jimmy Johnson will get every edge he can get. Well, it's big money sports. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of thing, I don't think that kind of thing is rare in professional football.
0: Well, you had mentioned in terms of karma, you know, <laughs> having to have both sides of the coin with that. And we're talking about this new world teacher uh, who yeah. will be coming and enlightening all of us and leading us into a new age. Then the question would become if, if this person of great good and great positivity is here on Earth and, and working the mechanations to make that happen is there an equal and opposite reaction is there something or someone here that's kind of working against that and keeping us from progressing?
3: Oh my goodness yes the, the, the dark forces which I don't want to talk about a whole lot because the more attention you pay to them the more power you give them sure. but I don't want to put a lot of energy on them but the dark forces are working as hard as they can to keep things the way they are they don't want this evolution to continue. They don't want us to become more evolved and for the spiritual side of life to have a larger and larger effect on the planet, but it's going to. I mean, they're hanging on through people. Remember, these energies and forces always work through people. God works through others. God isn't going to show up in front of us and do something for us. It's not how it works. You know, I was looking for I was looking for an opportunity to volunteer uh, with um, in special education. I was sitting in my dentist chair, and I told him that, and he said, "I'll be right back." And he goes in the back room and he comes back out with a with the name of a school and a phone number on it. He says, "You might want to call these people." You know, I volunteered there for a year and a half. That was God working through my dentist, helping me, you know, find the right place. That, that's how it works all the time. So, yes, the dark forces likewise work through people. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> look at, look at the, the last president that we had, um, before President Obama. That was certainly not an enlightened president, presidential, uh, Time. I mean, that was a, that, that. That set back the evolution of our planet. That president and that presidency set back the evolution of our planet probably twenty years.
0: From a, from a spiritual perspective, sure, I can.
3: From a from a just a, an evolutionary, a growth, a personal growth, more peace on the planet. You know, more kindness to each other, trying to feed people. You know, it, it went the other way. It was about killing people and getting more money
0: and oil. But despite that, there were still some some positive uh, steps that have been made in in. Of course, you know, whoever is in charge of whatever. I'm just saying
3: the dark forces will grab on anywhere they can, and, well, and try to take action. Now, the more powerful a position the person's in, the more they want to influence that person's, you know, work. So yes, there are forces fighting this to the death, and I told you there will be conservative politicians hanging on for the last-ditch effort, but their time is over. The Piscean Age is over, the age of individuality and of individual leaders making great changes on the planet. That's fading very quickly. Things are going to happen through groups now. As a matter of fact, Benjamin Krem is in contact with one of these 63 uh, masters that I talked about. Mm -hmm. That's where he gets his information. and. He was trained to be in contact and communication with one of these masters. And that's where his information comes from, I'm told, and, and it makes sense to me. And he was told, his master said, that, or this master said, that even the presidency of the United States will, will become a panel of wise people, not one person. That's how much it's going to change. It's going to be a, a time of cooperation and synthesis rather than a time of individuals' Um, that's what we're looking. It's already happening. People marching in the streets are throwing out governments just by marching in the street. It happened overseas, and it'll happen again and again and again and again. The power of the people is going to display itself from now on, it's and, he- and we are going to run the world. It's going to happen. The everyday person on the street. You and me and your listeners, we're going to decide the way we want the world to be. It's not going to be about leaders forcing things down our throats anymore. If, we, if they don't do what we want them to do, we're going to throw them out. That's how it's going to work. Well, and they know that. They're starting to pick up on that already. Some of them are kind of scared.
0: We are certainly so saying they, that... You
3: know, the, the group, humanity working together, that's how things are going to happen in the future you're gonna see a lot of work done through groups rather than individuals doctors without borders are going to have tremendous success you know those kinds of of groups and other groups you know, and the churches will become much more, much more effective than they are. You know, a lot of people have left the churches in the last 20, 30, 40 years, especially the last 20, 30 years, because the church hasn't been satisfying a need that they feel. Um, and so that's going to change when the churches start going the way of the people and not the way of some leaders.
0: We are talking with our guest tonight, Dick Larson. If you have a question, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. And I believe we do have a question on the line for you. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Dick Larson. Do you have a question?
2: Yes. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Hi. Am I on?
0: You're on the air, yes.
2: Okay, yes. Uh, Mr. Larson, first of all, are you by chance Norwegian? Am I Norwegian? I'm Swedish. Swedish, okay. Yeah, because of the I uh, I grew up in the fishing industry and in the in the fifties and sixties, um, a lot of the Swedes and the Norwegians came into our area. And my father, even though I'm Scottish, um, they really reformed reformed how we how we were seeking like seafood, like scallops and all that. So the yeah. name kind of just jumps out, but that's neither here nor there. I've been listening very really closely and. Um, it's pretty fascinating stuff, and it's kind of like the first, like, 10, 15 minutes I was listening to you, and it was almost kind of like a lack of a Yoda experience, <laughs> calm, wisdom, um, that this this master will be like that. And if you if you have an open mind, you can see that in different people, but it would have to be someone to lead us and guide us. Yeah. And- and I think yes. it's really fascinating. Well, what, next week, when I get my computer it. back, I'm going to go on your He's website. Going to be more
3: of a teacher than anything. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. And, and, a
3: teacher, and, and a you're, your 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 comment about being calm is really really important because most philosophies and religions agree that humanity a human being is made up of four essential parts: physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And that's the direction of evolution. Man has evolved physically. And we have a little bit left. We're going to see a lot more shades of color, I understand, in the future. But physically, we're pretty evolved. Emotionally, we're over-evolved. We make too many decisions based on feelings. Because feelings are temporary. That's the problem with feelings. They don't, they don't last. If you don't like how you feel, just wait a while. It'll change. Yeah, absolutely, now, absolutely. The goal for humanity is to become more mentally and spiritually focused. And when we do that, the emotions are going to calm down. So right now, humanity is emotionally based. The masses of humanity is emotionally based. And we're going to start moving up into making more decisions from the mental level and from the spiritual level. That's the, ne- that's the next step for humanity. And so emotionally, things will calm down. You're absolutely right.
2: I, I've had a, I mean, I, Tim's, I'm, I'm not a friend of Tim's, but Tim knows who I am. But I've gone through a lot of health issues and some I brought on by myself. I'm drug addiction and all that. And earlier this year, I had, well, last year, technically, I had an um, issue with my heart and stuff and alcohol in the hot sun. And then five, eight days later, I had a mild stroke, and I've come on the other side of it. I used to be, well, I am bipolar, but very high-end manic, and now everything's in a slow, calmer way. And a few times when, I've, when stress has hit me, yes, I could feel it throughout my body, like a warmth and pins and needles, and I've never had that. And wow. I, I've done transcendental meditation. I took martial arts. I've had some things. I understand the Eastern philosophy, like you mentioned earlier. Yep. And when it all said and done, now, and you write about that comment, ultimately, I am the center of my universe. When something bothers me, I have to calm me down. And sometimes yep. I have to use other things around me. True. And listen yeah. to you tonight just kind of like it brought it all full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And You're I thank you very cool. much we for your contribution t- tools, to but it's the up to, us tonight. to
3: use them. Well, thank You're you for the call. You're absolutely right. It's up to us to calm ourselves down. And the more we calm down, the more we become mentally focused, and then, and then the masters can help us more. God can help us more when we're calm.
0: Absolutely. That's just how it works. I, did, I didn't mean to cut off that beautiful, call, but beautiful. I pressed the button. <laughs> we do have another call for you as well. Uh, and again, okay. if anybody has any questions, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Those are the numbers to call in and share your thoughts with tonight's guest, Dick Larson. Good, mor- uh, good morning. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Do you have a question for Mr. Larson? Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, um, what happens if people don't want to follow
3: these, this guy's teaching will force be used to make these people follow his teachings? Good question. Yeah, good question. No, not at all. No? Not at all. All As a matter of fact, there will be a critical mass of people that will follow his suggestions from the start, but, but by no means will the majority of people follow his suggestions to start with. No, they would never, ever force us to do anything our free will is sacred. It's a gift from God, and the masters know that they cannot infringe our free will or force us to do anything. No, no. We have to do it of our own free will, and they know that. That's why I said the masters will make suggestions, but then we can either follow them or not. And if we don't, then they'll just talk to somebody else who maybe wants to follow our suggestion. You know, that's what they do. They make suggestions, and then the people that that. Follow the suggestion, then they will guide them further. And the people that don't, they just leave them alone.
0: But but this change is going to happen anyway around those people, and it, it's kind of up to them to make sure that they uh, stay up with the changes and to become yeah, part of the some collective. At
3: they're going to realize that they're missing the boat. Yeah. All right, because yeah. it just but sounds like you know, it's, it just not sounds like it's going to be mob rule, and you know, it's like, hey, you know. Well, it won't be mob rule, because we'll have all the laws in place that we have in place now. People aren't going to panic over this. People aren't going to panic. They will react, but they're not going to panic. No, no, it'll be, it, they, they have said, the masters have said that they want this to be done as gently and as easily and with as little chaos as possible you're right. to be well, very, very careful about it. Wait until you hear them talk. I mean, you you are going to be blown away. You're going to think you're talking to your next-door neighbor. They are so like you and I. They sound like you and I. They talk like you and I. You may have even spoken to one of the masters and not not known it. I mean, I know that I have um, because I've been told by Benjamin Crumb that I have. Hmm. And then hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands of people have talk to masters as as an older person or as a younger person or or whatever as an everyday person and when they talk to you they talk just like you and i talk so you're going to be blown away they're so kind and they're so gentle and and i mean if they if they need to be stern about something they will but but they're not going to cram anything down anybody's throat no way that's not how they work Mm. all right thank you for the call they will present present options We'll make
0: choices. Well, I think that it's important to note, though, that uh, as you said, you know, we could have already had a discussion with one of these masters. We could oh, have absolutely. talked to him. We could, we could know him. But is there a way that we can recognize who it is? Well, we know, uh, you know, when we see Maitreya on TV, will we know who it is that we're who who we're listening to and and who's giving us this message?
3: Well, on his day of declaration, you will.
0: Right. Yes. But
3: are there are on there signs we can look? Because that's going to be an experience. There are three ways that you'll know it's him. Uh, thank you for asking. There are three ways. I'll tell your listeners right now how they will know it's the teacher for the age of Aquarius when they see him on TV. One, you will hear his words in your head in your native language, but his lips won't move. You'll see his face on TV, but his lips won't move. You'll hear his words in your head telepathically. That's the first way you'll know it's the teacher. The second way you'll know it's him is that while he's speaking for 35, 45 minutes, nobody knows exactly how long, nobody knows exactly when, but while he's speaking to the world, and everybody over the age of 14 will hear him, even if they're working in the fields, they will hear his words in their head. Most of us will be listening to the radio or watching him on TV. But the second way you'll know it's him is that while he's speaking, you will feel the love of God in your heart like you have never felt it before. He said it will be so strong that it will be as if I physically embrace you. A lot of people will be crying, and I'll probably be one of them. (laughs) But the second way you'll know it's him is that you will feel the love of God in your heart like you've never felt it before. If you're afraid of the Antichrist, trust the love in your heart because the Antichrist can't do that. And the third way you'll know it's him is that when he's done speaking, there will be media reports from around the world that while he was speaking, hundreds of thousands of people were miraculously healed while he was speaking. Wow. And in those three ways, you'll know that this is the teacher, and then we can either follow his suggestions or not. But those are the three ways you'll know it's him.
0: And are there any kind of... Uh, any kind, Well, let me ask you this then. Sure. Are, are you already aware of, of his identity, his earthly identity he's been using now?
3: Well, no, I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't know exactly what his new body looks like. Okay. I know his name, and I've talked to him, but he's been in different... I've talked to him as a young man. I've talked to him as a young woman. I've seen him as a young man without ever exchanging words. This is all according to Benjamin Krebs Master. Um, he, he, He has a magazine he publishes. I should explain this. He has a magazine that's published 10 months a year called Share International Magazine. It's in like 42 countries around the world. Um, People are getting it. And there's one section in there every month where he publishes letters from people who have met a master or seen a master, and they're writing to find out if, in fact, it was a master, if that person was a master. And the ones that are masters, he publishes those letters. So, if you, if you think you've seen a master and you write in to Benjamin Cram to Share International and you ask and you describe what happened, then if it's true, he will publish it in the magazine and you will see that the two that most people see are the Master Jesus and Maitreya. Jesus is back. People will see Jesus on TV next to Maitreya. He will eventually introduce Jesus to the world on television. Jesus' job, my information is, Jesus' job is to get the Christian church back on track. This will be the last pope. Jesus will take his rightful place in St. Peter's throne at the head of the Christian church, and of course the largest church in the world is the Catholic church. And he will take his place at the head of the Christian church, and he will help. His job is to get the Christian church worldwide back on track. There will be no one-word religion or anything like that. Maitreya says if you're in a religion and it's working for you, great. Mm-hmm. I come for you. If you're not in a religion, great. I come for you, too. So he comes for everybody.
0: Are there any way that we... You know, any kind of like a, a hat tip, a nod, a wink, when we hear some of these words of these masters already, and some of these other guides that they've taken. Is is there? I mean, you would mention some of the the great figures of history: Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, uh, some of the Greek gods. You know, we realize that when we hear about these uh, people, that you know they, they're recognized for their greatness. But has there been people in the last fifty or a hundred years that we might not realize could be one of these masters in in, in a certain form?
3: Um, no, but you could run into them yesterday. And I'll tell you how you will know. The three most common ways that people identify a master when they when they see one or talk to one, and they appear to people to, usually to teach them a lesson, they usually appear for only seconds or minutes, um, often when people are in trouble and need help. Uh, a friend of mine was in a horrible car accident with a semi-truck in his little Volkswagen. And the chp that came that first came to him and walked around his car and he said "When this guy was walking around my car i felt like he was fixing it and he walked around his car and then my friend tony got was able to get in his Volkswagen and actually drive it away um, he wrote to benjamin cram about that experience and benjamin Kram that said that chp officer was my trail and that he did in fact fix tony's car when he was walking around it uh-huh. he repaired it um, so, there are three ways that people will know when they've seen a master. One, there's something in the eyes. That's one of the ways. There's something in the eyes that just, it's deep or their eyes seem like they go right through you. I saw Jesus on a, on a bus bench. I was coming home from meditation at a friend's house one night. I stopped at a red light and I looked over at this bus bench and there was a homeless guy with a filthy long tan um, trench coat on and a gray beard and mustache, kind of slouched down, and, and he was looking at me. And my very first thought, Tim, my very first thought was, that guy is looking right through me. And then the light turned green, and I drove on. That's the kind of thing, the eyes, there'll be something special in the eyes. Another way you'll know it's a master is it's an ordinary experience, like that was, mm-hmm. but you can't get them out of your mind. Well, I couldn't get that guy on the bus bench out of my mind. He just kept, I mean, there's no reason I should remember him, right? You would think, right. but I couldn't. I just kept remembering him and kept thinking about him and thinking about him. I finally wrote to Benjamin Krem. He said it was the Master Jesus. So so the second way you'd know it's a Master is it's an ordinary occurrence, but you can't get it out of your mind. And then the third way you'd know that you've met a Master is that your heart just leaps for joy. I mean you just for all of a sudden for no reason at all you are just as happy as you could possibly be. Now there are other ways that you'll know it's a master but those are the three seem to be the three most common ways.
0: Hmm. And now, now
3: that happened to me I was I was I was leaving. Uh, I was at graduate school at the time, and I was leaving school to go to my meditation. I was walking across the campus, and I looked up just as two boys were walking towards me. Two younger students were walking towards me on the sidewalk, and right behind them was a young lady. It looked to be about twenty-one, twenty-nineteen, something like that. Had a kind of a Mona Lisa smile, shoulder-length dark hair, and just a little bit of a smile on her face. I saw her for like three seconds as she passed. Oh my God! I was so happy. All of a sudden, I was just happy. And I thought, man, I wish I could make people happy by smiling at them like she did for me. And I just, I mean, I almost floated to my car in the parking lot. I was was feeling so great. And I just couldn't get her out of my mind. I finally wrote the Benjamin Krem, the young woman was Maitreya. And so... Those are the kinds of ways that you'll know. I'm sure a lot of your listeners, and probably you guys too, if you're having this interview and if they're listening, have probably had an experience of a master. They can be a homeless person, they can be a young person, they can be... And and sometimes it's just a look. You don't even talk to them. Just, just... Um, and sometimes you do talk to them. Um, I've had a lot of homeless experiences with masters, but a lot of people have. Um, You know, one of the things they're teaching us is that everybody is sacred. No matter what you look like, I've seen, you know, some have been African-Americans, some have been Asian-Americans. No matter what we look like, we're all sacred. That's one of the things they're teaching us. So those are ways that people could know if they've seen a master.
0: Uh, Just a logistical question. Yeah. This is a master taking this form of a yes. person who who didn't exist previously or is this the master coming into the the physical shell of someone else and inhabiting their body
3: Great question. No, they don't inhabit anybody's body, but they can make a body to look just like somebody who's really in the world. Okay. And and they've done that. They've done that. There was a guy who was a jewelry salesman and one day it wasn't the jewelry salesman, it was Maitreya. <laughs> and the next day it was the jewelry salesman again, you know. So they can they can appear just like another person most of the time they don't most of the time they just appear on a bus um on a train um standing at the corner um as as anybody
0: and will those Um, will those figures that they appear as will they be uh for lack of a better term will they be perfect beings, or can they can they show flaws, and can they show, you know, uh, just in their, I mean, would, would we expect them to be 100% benevolent, or would they have other yeah. attributes?
3: Well, that's a good question. You know, these are these are wonderful questions. Um, okay. Actually, remember I said they always come to teach a lesson? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they will sit next to somebody who hates smokers, and they're smoking like crazy. Sometimes they come next to somebody who hates drinkers, and they're drinking, or they smell like booze, and really strong. And so, you know, they're coming to teach a lesson. We're all sacred, no matter what we look like or smell like. or You know, we're all sacred, you know. It's, it's really, really interesting. So, yeah, they'll come like that. They don't come and hurt anybody, though, or chew anybody out or hit anybody or anything like that. No, 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 no. No, but they might have some characteristics that some people find offensive. You know, they might talk real loud for example,
0: and another, uh, or something
3: uh... like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, they have the best sense of humor, I'm telling you. <laughs> people are going to be just blown away when they meet the masters. They're going to be, it's, there's so much like, see, they were us. They were us. The, everything that we've done, they've done. They have had every experience on the planet. They went through evolution ahead of us. They've had every experience that you can have. They've been mean. They've killed people. They've been nice. They've been, you know, everything. They've been sick, they've had loved ones die, they know how we feel because they were us. And that's why they're so compassionate. It's because there isn't a human being having an experience that they can't relate to. They relate to everything because they were us. Hundreds of thousands of lifetimes.
0: Well, there is another. And had every
3: experience they can have.
0: Another question that uh, somebody would like some clarification on: A listener uh, wants yes. to know that uh, you had mentioned that when Maitreya comes and, and speaks, we'll all hear it in our heads. But you mentioned people over the age of fourteen. Is there a reason why there is that that uh, line of demarcation there for who will hear it?
3: Yes, there is because the chakras aren't fully formed. The chakras are vortexes of energy that run along the spine from the top of the head to the to the tailbone, and those seven major chakras, and they're not fully developed. Um, and so it's more difficult to use enough energy to telepathically communicate with somebody under that age. There's a, there's a, there's a chance they could be harmed by the energy, and, and they're just not going to do it.
1: What about but people after, that are after deaf? At the
3: age of fourteen, the chakras are pretty fully developed, and the masters can use telepathy with just about anybody.
1: Sorry, not your question. Yeah. What about people that are deaf that have never heard before?
3: They will hear the words in their
1: head. But if you're deaf, you never heard words.
0: Well, but I mean, it would be kind of the same. Your own, like well, the way your own thought would pop into your head. Dick, is that what you mean? Like, you know, they the,
3: will give them a, a mental experience of exactly what everybody else is having a mental experience of.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe so, it's me. So I don't, I don't hear words out. in my they head. They will get, they will, you know?
3: they will feel the communication that they are special, that they have work to do, that they're, you know, that kind of thing. They will, even if, I mean, most people that are deaf know words on a printed page, um, and so th- they understand words. They just haven't heard them.
0: It'll, it'll feel like a thought coming into your brain that's it just happens. not your own. It'll feel just like a thought. Which, you know. I mean, that's the best I can explain. For, for us for us here, that's few and far between, but we get the idea of what you mean. Now, you had mentioned <laughs> yeah. b- before huh. the break, before we had uh, taken a sure. break for the news, you had mentioned UFOs, and that, that UFOs sure. play a part in, in, in this big picture.
3: They do. You have, the, the space people are here, they're real, and they're here on a spiritual mission. That's my information. My information is they're here on a spiritual mission. It's m- probably a four part. Mission. I'd be happy to tell you the four parts of the spiritual mission. They're here. They're friendly. They're not here to hurt us. They're not from the Pleiades or from, from Sirius. They're from our own solar system. They're our neighbors. The Pleiades and the Sirius; those people have their own issues to deal with. This is uh, this is about our community, our solar community, our solar system. There's a plan for uh, every planet. Shades of Ademsky and Bathroom
1: with Orthon with Orthon and Aura, huh?
3: I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you.
1: Uh, shades of Ademsky with Orthon and uh, oh, absolutely, Be- bathroom and Adamsky and Aura. was spot
3: on. Yeah, Adamsky was na- Adamsky nailed it. My information is all of his experiences were absolutely true.
0: So we're talking about then with with these visitations that we're receiving, uh, you know we're, we're talking about beings that are on a different portion of this evolution than we are. They're kind of the same as these masters, right? Uh,
3: the space people, yes, most of them are evolved beyond us.
0: Okay, but they're not yes. at the level of these masters.
3: No, and I'd be happy to talk about that, because each planet is at a different stage of evolution.
0: Sure, yeah, let's, let's discuss this. Yeah. The, uh, well, now, so they've already gone through some of these transitions then that, we, that we'll be expecting to go through. Oh, yes,
3: like Venus. Uh, most of the visitors are from the two closest planets, which makes sense. They're from Mars and Venus. Venus is almost a perfected planet. It's in its last round. Each planet has seven rounds, a round is millions of years. Earth is in the middle of the fourth round. We're right in the middle. And that's a critical time of change for a planet. It's when the planet wakes up, and the people on it wake up, and that's what's happening with planet Earth right now. Mars is in exactly the same place. They're in the middle of the fourth round. Um, they're, they're But technologically, Mars is thousands of years ahead of us. But the Venusians, the people from Venus, are, are almost perfect human beings. Benjamin Cram said, if you were to talk to a person from Venus, you would think you were talking to a god. That's how loving and kind and all-knowing they are.
0: So now... uh we see that they are around us and and for those who have uh, observed them over the years and studied them like my colleague Matt Moniz has, you know, then then you know that this phenomena exists, that it's legitimate, that it's real, but we haven't had that first contact yet. Is that because we're not quite at the level yet where they can come and make their presence known to us or have they just been doing so and we've been too stupid or, or too blind to realize it?
3: How much time do we have before the break?
0: <laughs> we have a good 20 minutes here, so...
3: Oh, good, okay. Um, because that that... There are about three parts to that answer. The first part is um, how we see them. Um, Our science is limited. We're only aware so far, our science is only aware of three levels of physical matter, and that's solid, liquid, and gas. Most of the gases you can't see, can't smell, don't know they're there, but they're there. We know they're there. They're real. They're physical. Well, there's a level of physical matter above gas. Called etheric no, matter.
1: It's also called plasma, but
3: yeah. it has been called plasma, and the scientists call Which it I happen dark to be. matter. They 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 they're not sure what it is, but they're calling it dark matter, and that is etheric physical. It's a physical matter that we can't see, touch, whatever. But it's it's a higher level of physical existence, physical matter than gas. Now. The people uh, that are visiting us know all about etheric physical because that's what their spacecraft are made of, and that's what their bodies are made of. They're made of etheric physical, so we can't see them unless we have etheric vision. Now, of course, they have etheric vision. They see themselves just like you and I see each other. There are a few people on the planet who do have etheric vision, but most of us don't. Hmm. So we don't see them unless they want us to see them. And when they want us to see their craft, what they do is they intentionally lower the vibration of their spacecraft and become temporarily solid physical. Then we see them. They can do the same thing with their bodies. And then we see them now, like Mars. Mars is every planet has life on it, but we're the only planet that's just the right distance from the sun to have solid physical human life, and it doesn't burn up or freeze up. On all the other planets, it's impossible. So they they have they are in etheric physical. We land a camera on Mars, and it doesn't see anything because it doesn't have etheric vision. There's. Life all over Mars. There's buildings all over Mars. There are more. My information is there are more people on Mars than there are on planet Earth. There are about eight billion people on Mars. That's a smaller planet. So guess what? They're smaller. Yeah, they've got some overcrowding issues. Smaller than we are, considerably smaller. But there's life all throughout cosmos. Most of it is etheric, and that's why we don't understand these. These spacecraft are up there in the thousands, all the time, every day, all night. They only we only see them when they want us to, and they're very careful about it. They were trying to approach the governments, now to get to the first contact. They were trying to approach the governments, but the governments kept keeping it a secret, you know? They crashed at Roswell. My information is that was a Martian craft. And the Martian crew made an intentional sacrifice of dying. They, they lowered the vibration of their craft, they lowered the vibration of their bodies, and they crashed and died intentionally to let us know they're, they're here. And what do we do? Cover it up. Well, so we finally yeah. got tired of the governments of the world hiding this information from humanity. And so for the last, I'd say, maybe 15 years... Maybe twenty. They've been coming out way more in the open to everyday people now. They finally just said, "The heck with the governments. We're going to approach people directly. We're going to. We don't want to scare them. They're very, very cautious to not scare us. Whenever possible, they approach. If you're somebody who's going to be afraid of it, they're not going to appear to you. as best they can. They only appear to people who won't be afraid of them, and they only appear when there's a purpose. It's not their job. This is not their planet. So they're not going to run this planet. They're not going to tell us how to run this planet. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do a lot of that. We're on that they're journey ourselves. That yeah. Pardon?
0: We're on that journey ourselves. It has to be.
3: We are exactly right. But they're here to help. It's like if you get an infection in part of your body, the rest of the body rushes in to help fix it. Well, that's what's happening. Planet Earth is holding back the plan of evolution for the solar system because we can't end war, we can't end starvation, or won't, and we're killing our planet. That is reversing the evolution of our solar system. We're holding it back. So the planets are rushing in to help us. So one of the things they're doing, they have huge motherships, that are in the ocean, in the land, because they're etheric, they can go into the earth, and in the sky, twenty-four hours a day, mopping up pollution. This is a huge sacrifice. These guys could be home with their families. They're not. They're up there. Space men and women are up there, twenty-four-seven, mopping up our pollution to keep the planet alive. Now it's not their planet, so they can't mop all of it up. They can, there's a karmic limit to how much they can they can help. But they're doing it, and have been doing it for decades now, to keep the planet alive until we wake up and do the job ourselves. So that's one of the, one of the biggest parts of their um, aid to planet Earth, is to help keep it and us alive. Without their help, I am told our planet would be dying and irreparably damaged. It would, it would have to essentially start over. Evolution on planet Earth would essentially have to start over um, if, if it wasn't for their help. We owe them a huge karmic debt, and we don't even know it. So they've been doing that. Now, the biggest pollution they're mopping up, again, our instruments can't measure this because we don't know about etheric physical yet. The biggest pollution they're mopping up is nuclear pollution. All of our nuclear plants are spewing out etheric... Nuclear radiation, which is the most dangerous of the levels of radiation. Nuclear radiation is causing two major problems on planet Earth now. My information is, one, it's causing earlier and earlier occurrence of Alzheimer's, senility, And second, it's causing a way higher incidence of autistic children being born. It used to be one in every 800 kids was autistic, and now it's one in 18 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The the Nuclear pollution is causing a major problem on our planet, and we don't even know about it, because our instruments are too crude to measure it. So So they're mopping up this nuclear pollution in the water, in the land, in the air, and other pollution. That's one of the things they're doing.
1: So now, you're referring so to
3: contact. Now they're starting to make contact with everyday people. They're not going to land on the White House lawn and say, "We need to talk to President Obama." It's not how it's going to happen. They're going to be introduced to us by the masters. Once the masters come forward, all right. And yes, we will be able to talk to them and so on.
1: All right, Matt, you had a question. Yeah, I got a question. Now you're saying this nuclear pollution. Are you, you're talking the nuclear etherical? Pollution, you're saying, is causing all of this, and it's our very, instrumentation yeah. isn't sensitive enough to measure. This. We think we're in the right. safe safe levels, but we're really not, right? Well, because we can't measure. Well, it. you know what I do for a living, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah Here, I work I, with all these scientific instrumentation, and part of my job is, you know, radiation safety and things like oh, that. Oh man, and, you're going to have
3: some huge advances coming.
1: Uh, yeah, that's why I'm. You know, this is kind yeah, of the stuff I work in. That's you. why I'm. Curious. I spent several years working in an uh, environmental laboratory, so. Oh, good for you. I, I'm just I finding it curious as to how they got rid of all of this stuff. You know, because well, they,
3: they they mop it up. They have
1: they have equipment they on their
3: spacecraft that clean the air. When they suck in the air, it runs through this equipment and it's cleaned.
1: Okay, how does that
0: equipment work? That really, is a,
3: well, I don't know. Okay. But know, not, that's a science way beyond anything that we have.
0: You're going to training yeah. in the next couple of weeks. Yes, maybe they'll have one.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I sure sure simple. I'm sure it has to do with no, magnetism just, and and, uh, and some other stuff. One of the things they're doing, movies. another thing they're doing, and you might find this interesting as well, is they're they're leaving crop circles all over the planet.
1: <laughs> Which is, <Crop, laughs> I've been involved with that subject since the early '90s.
3: Yeah, well, that's coming from our space people, and, and there's, there's two reasons for it. Well, more than just them,
1: I, that, but okay.
3: That I'm aware of. Yeah. One is it's a calling card. It's a very simple, beautiful, easy way to say we're here. I mean, they, what, what they do, my information is, you know, their craft don't fly by buttons and levers. Their, their machinery is so sophisticated it responds to human thought. That's how they fly. They think it, and then their craft does it. That's how far ahead of us they are scientifically. I mean, it's, it's thousands of years.
1: Now anyway, we have uh, objects they're, that they're we are. craft
3: are very, very simple, and, and they're run by thought. So what they do, they think up the design they want to make. They hover the craft over the field, and my information is in about seven or eight seconds, boom, it's made, and they're gone. And they do it without, as you know, without breaking the crops. The crops are still alive. Um, They sometimes are sending a message with them. Sometimes they're just creating something because it's beautiful. The, The first purpose, it's a calling card saying we're here. And the second purpose of the crop circles is they're creating these crop circles on magnetic axis of planet Earth. We have vortexes of energy, just like the human body does, where energy is crossing and, and, and meeting in certain places while at, there's a magnetic grid for planet Earth. Well, they're marking that grid with these crop circles. And what's going to happen is they are going to give us something called the technology of light, the science of light. And that science of light is going to provide what it is. It's going to use the magnetic influence of our planet along with energy from the sun to provide pollution free unlimited free of charge energy for every need on planet earth that's called the technology of light and it will be a combination of our magnetic grid on the planet and energy from the sunlight and they will give us that science So that we don't have to pollute our planet anymore, and so that everybody has enough energy for everything, but they can't give it to us yet, because we haven't ended wars. You know what we'd do with it. If they gave it to us, we'd find a way to make a weapon out of it.
0: Yeah, and we'd make a weapon so powerful it would kill all of us in the process. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so they can't give us that science yet, but that's the other thing that the crop circles are doing. They're marking that magnetic grid. That's why people feel energy in those in those grids. Then, then the energy is different in each one. No, oh, you can attest As to that, Matt. You've been standing, standing in, in one them. of those crop circles. Oh, but I, I understand I've, they're Matt, really, really fabulous.
0: My co-host Matt has been. Uh, I've, I've been, been oh, in. Wow. I'm I've, jealous. <laughs> I've stood in
1: a number of them and taken samples from them and tested them and. Measured them in all kinds of different ways. And, yeah, the in the genuine formations, there is definitely something, I'll call it, different than when you're yeah. standing in what are known to be man-made uh Representations. Oh definitely.
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, no. there's such a difference. I mean, it's, it's incredible the difference. You can spot it in, in a second. Um, anyway, that's that's my information. You know, again, I'm not asking you guys to believe this. I'm just presenting it sure, for what yeah.
0: it's worth. Well, and you and uh, we only have about seven minutes left in the program, but uh, you did mention that uh, that these UFOs and that their inhabitants they operate on this ethereal level. They're made of this ethereal uh, level etheric. of existence. Ethereic. It's not ethereal. It's etheric. Okay, and uh, and so in that way of being able to perceive them. You had mentioned that some people on this planet already do have etheric vision. Can we achieve that? Can we work toward having that? Is that a way that we can train ourselves to have a? No, vision? No,
3: it's not. It's just a matter of natural evolution. Okay. But they see them up there all the time. Obviously, they don't talk about them a lot because people would say they're crazy. But they see them all the time. The beginning of etheric vision is like seeing auras, the aura around a leaf. Or around a person. That's the beginning of etheric physical. Um, one of the other things they're doing is they have created, 2,000 years ago when the teacher came, I think you'll find this interesting, I hope, 2,000 years ago when the teacher came there was a star, the star of Bethlehem, mm-hmm. and it moved through the heavens and led the wise men to the baby Jesus, the teacher for the age of Pisces, the teacher for that era, and it shined down on the baby Jesus so that the, the wise men could find the teacher. There's a star out there now announcing the imminent arrival of the teacher for this age. And I can see the star from my front yard. If you look, it will look like one of the brightest objects in the sky. It will twinkle like a star. But if you look closely, you may notice it moves and it twinkles colors which stars don't do. You'll see blues and greens and reds and yellows. And that's Maitreya's star. Well, the star 2,000 years ago was not a star. It was a UFO. It was a UFO two and a half football fields wide. Two and a half football fields big. It was built at the request of our masters. They asked the Venusians to make this craft. Actually, most of the spacecraft are made on Mars. Mars loves to build things. They love to build things. Most of the planets send their their blueprints to Mars. Martians make their craft and then they go pick them up. So most of the spacecraft in our solar system, my information is, are manufactured on Mars in the etheric. Well, anyway, this this they know our plan. They're not a plan for this planet. What they have to, they're happy to help anytime that, that they can. And they did. Two thousand years ago, they made that UFO, which shined like a star, and led the wise men there. That was a UFO. The Star of Bethlehem. The star that's out there now is not a star. There are four UFOs. One north, south, east, and west. So no matter where you are on the planet, you see one of them. These stars are five football fields wide. Five, they're huge. Wow. They're made for this purpose and they will be up there until Maitreya comes forward on his day of declaration on television and then they'll go away. One of the crop circles made in 2009, in December of 2008, right around Christmas, was a star, the very first star crop circle ever made. That is when, that was announcing that the star was now in the sky. And there, there are four stars are up there. One is made on Venus, one is made on Mars, one is made on Jupiter, and the other one I'm not, hasn't been told where that one was manufactured. But they were built specially at the request of our spiritual hierarchy to help announce the arrival. They're part of the forces of light that are going to usher in the new age for us along with our masters our masters are going to guide us and the space people have said we'll help however we can but it's not really our job because it's not really our planet but however we can help we will and so they are and one of the ways they're helping is with these stars now these stars these people the martians and the venusians respond to telepathic thought i asked the star to move my wife and i were looking at it and i said if you're the star Would you please flash colors? And it did, and I videotaped it. And I put it in my computer, and I could see this beautiful array of shades of different colors. And then I said, if you're the star, would you please move? And we waited, I don't know, 45 seconds or so, and it went down, and then over to the left, and then back to the right. Wow. Yeah, and I looked at my wife and I said, did that move or did I make that up? And she said, no, that moved. (laughs) So it's up there. Go look on a clear night. You'll see it. Sometimes you can even see it in the daytime. It's up there to announce the teacher for the age of pisces which is coming, of Aquarius.
0: coming in the next yeah. two years and, and as, as we've mentioned you can check out the website to find out more share-international.org is the site and there's all kinds of information up there for people to peruse i want to thank you dick larson for joining us tonight and sharing this information with us and uh, and i'm sure that over the next couple of years we'll be talking to you more about this
3: it's been a lot of fun i'd love to do it again sometime all right thank,
0: thank you so you much very much have a great night
3: you too.
0: Bye-bye. bye And uh, we will. We will certainly uh, keep up with that story, and we will find out more. Uh, apologies to the callers who are on hold that are waiting to talk to Mr. Larson, but we are out of time for the show. We're in the final minute here of the program. We will be back next Saturday night at 10 p.m., and we'll be here each and every Saturday night at 10 p.m. to talk with you about the world of the paranormal, the strange, the unusual, the unexplainable. We explore it all here on Spooky South Coast and on SpookySouthCoast.com. Next week, we'll take some Super Bowl predictions, we'll talk to some psychics, and we'll find out, does God play a role? Does fate play a role in the outcome of something as silly as a football game? We'll get into all that and so much more next week on the program. If you want to check out any of our past archives, you can do so by going to iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. We also post the most recent show right on the front page at SpookySouthCoast.com so you can always just go there and either listen to the audio or watch the video. Matt, I think the video worked out well this time? I think so. It worked really well. we'll actually have a YouTube upload for the first time in like months. Yes. Awesome. So that will all be coming up for you in the next few days. Just stay tuned with SpookySouthCoast.com. Follow us on social media. You can go to Facebook.com slash SpookySouthCoast and also at SpookySC on Twitter. So many ways to get a hold of us during the week, but the easiest way, of course, is spooky crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. If you have a topic you'd like us to uh, address, to explore, some questions, that's the way to do so. We'll be back next week with an all-new show. So until then, from Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. Stay spooktacular.